Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. So, you know, throughout the pandemic, when I told my kids literally two weeks two weeks in after we started re- meeting remotely, she said, we're going to be back in the theater in four weeks tops. You know, it, I mean, maybe six weeks. And now it's been about 15 months. Still not f- full strength, but... I mean, I remember the thoughts going through my mind about what it means to be the church meeting remotely. Because the first time in two millennia ever in the history of the church do plagues and pandemics and through many different transitions in history, the church has always been been able to gather even in the months of persecution. It's the first time in human history the church for the sake of love, had to meet apart to stop the spread of this deadly virus, killing so many people. And it was odd. And I thought, could we survive that long without meeting? Could we be engaged? I mean, I know from friends, nine churches that I know of closed during pandemic. CT, Christianity Today, wrote up a report, millennial churches, by May, most people stop watching online services. But, you know, praise God, thanks to our team, the media team, and those who sacrifice so much to put on the best possible engaging. Because, I mean, this is what I thought. I mean, if I was going to preach from my ceiling in my house, how engaging is this going to be? You know what I'm saying? Are you going to seize my pandemic weight? <laughs> and so many people commenting on my hair. Nothing about the message. Maybe once in a while, what's up with your hair? Like, geez, that's what you're interested in? Because par- partially, you know, humanity, we're superficial, right? I mean, we're, we're going to critique a presentation. In, in, uh, in, in the camera, you can't say the wrong word. Because that's it. It's on forever. <laughs> and uh, how many takes does it take? So going through all that, it made me really examine spiritual growth. And it reminds me of something that was flourishing, a thing that's parallel to our community, is our little garden in our house here. Here's, I'm doing some summer reading back here um, in the back of our garden. The hydrangeas, you see it? Beautiful garden back, and, and the garden was flourishing. And, you know, I sort of poked fun of my wife, of her obsession with gardening. I would be like, hey, let's go away for a week. She goes, I can't. You can't go to the beach? No. Why not? I got to take care of my garden. I gotta, who's going to water my, my garden? But we're going to go to the beach. Who cares about that? It'll be fine. She goes, it won't be fine. One day, two days, 
That's it, the garden is ruined. I'm like, the hydrangea is dead. And you know, one time she asked me, it held me responsible for watering her plants in the garden. I said, you sure you want to trust me with this? She goes, let me show you what you got to do. I had to take a nap after I watered. I mean, our house ain't even that big. And uh, I was watering the garden. I mean, every plant needs watering and nurturing. I mean, it's a lot. I don't know why. Why do you people do this? I see why people hire now with the green. Th- I mean, it's a lot of work. And I now respect to all you who could keep a plant alive. Respect to my wife. I mean, yeah, here I am enjoying the summer reading. I don't, now I understand what it takes to nurture something into beauty. Help it flourish. It doesn't just come that way. It doesn't happen by probability. You have to nurture it. And that's exactly what Jesus is painting in the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. And all throughout the scripture, there's a motif of God being a gardener. And God does his part, but we got to do our part. And the parable of the sower gives a framework. Tell someone next to you, framework. A critical diagnostic to understand the internal parts of your spiritual life. Because when people ask you, hey, how is your walk with God? How's your faith doing? It's usually intuitive we answer. Oh, I think I'm doing okay. I'm, well, I'm not. I'm down. I'm up. That's the spiritual life. It's like a yo-yo. People describe their spiritual life by their emotions. I'm up. I'm down. And sometimes lack a critical framework for what's really going on. Because just like gardening, there's critical things that you have to do to make it flourish. A lot of times people are living their spiritual life literally by snoozing. I think this is how much I slept. How many people ever overslept before? You snooze it, you thought it was just five minutes, but two hours gone by. Sometimes I'm amazed that I can't go to sleep, and then when I do go to sleep, I sleep five hours. It felt like two seconds. And a lot of times people live their spiritual life this way, and you're not really sure what's going on. And so in this parable of the sower, agriculture was the main framework for people's daily lives in antiquity, in the New Testament, in the Roman Empire. Most people were farmers, so they understood gardening. And what I want to do uh, for the next few weeks is to give us a framework to look into your spiritual life. So you can understand where you are exactly and tackle it. Because sometimes we just guess. I think this is. When it's the most important part. So let's look at the point of the parable. What's the point of the parable? Yes, as an overview, I'm going to go into every single uh, four aspects of the parable of the sower. But read it with me. The point of the parable is what? Most struggle with their spiritual lives because what? 
They lack a critical framework to examine it. Most people I know in the church struggle for most of their lives spiritually. Usually when you ask someone, how are you doing in your faith? I'm struggling is the typical answer. But if you look at the map in the parable of the sower, 75% of the seed that falls into the psychosocial environments are struggling, choking or shallow or never get planted. So most people are struggling. And what Jesus is giving you here is what? A matrix. What's a matrix? The Webster Dictionary defines a matrix as something within something else that develops or changes along the way. So he's giving you four scenarios. So if you're struggling with your spiritual life, you have to know why, right? And many have talked about the life, that, the gift that comes with examination. Socrates said this. Read with me. The unexamined life is what? Not worth living. Many do not examine their spiritual life. They just live it. The spiritual life usually happens to them. Well, Ice Cube said this. He said it another way. You gotta what? Check yourself. You better, now say it correctly, I'm from Inwood, Washington Heights, all right? <laughs> you better check yourself, yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Different from Socrates, but they're both philosophers. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. The IV sort of messed me up a little bit. You know, I got, I'm trying to get back to my roots. And, um, and you know, we, we come to this place where Ice Cube is talking about you have to examine your life before you wreck your life. Sometimes you even wreck your life and don't examine it. What, what do you call that? Foolish, dumb. So Jesus is giving us three lenses, maybe actually four optical frameworks or a lens to look through inward of your spiritual life where you might be to identify what might, the problem might be, a diagnostic. Healthcare is the most expensive expense in the United States budget after defense. Why? Because the diagnostic tools, if there's something wrong with you, they check everything and find it. How did we beat the battle of COVID? The doctors were in the front lines, but really how we won the war against this bug was microscopically. It was in the lab through a microscope, What a diagnostic tool to see what the problem really was. That's how we defeated it. We had to identify what the problem was. The vaccine wasn't a guess. Well, we think he'll be effective. They had percentages of the effectiveness, the efficacy. Why? Because they understood what exactly the problem was, and they dismantled it. Now, a lot of times in the spiritual life, people don't know what the problem is, why they're struggling, why they're depressed, why, why everything is so discouraging, why I can't move forward. 
because you don't have a framework. And Jesus gives three frameworks in this text. Let's read that text again. So look what Jesus says. So he says that then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. And he later he explains that this is the spiritual domain. So there is a vertical issue in your spiritual life. It could be demonic. It could be a spiritual attack. But it's not always demons. Like, for example, during the pandemic, Star and Roe got married. Now they're having a baby. And, yeah, I mean, praise God. But you know what? Star is selfish. Because she took my driver <laughs> during the pandemic. She stole my driver. My driver used to, Ro used to come to my house on Sundays with a sandwich, <laughs> roast beef and lettuce and tomatoes. He wouldn't even let me pay for it. He goes, I got you, doc. Star is so selfish. She, not only did she take my sandwich, she took my driver. Now, did the devil do that? Well, I was tempted to think so. <laughs> Because, yeah, that's pretty, a sweet setup for me. You know what I'm saying? A sandwich and a driver. Now I got to drive myself. My son talking to me. <laughs> I used to be able to focus on my message. You know, now I got to drive. I cannot kill us all. No sandwich. My son can't make stuff. She stole my driver and my sandwich. I could, and you know what? I could pray. God. But it's not demonic, right? What? It, this is not demonic. The, the seed that fell on the path, Jesus says, that's the bird. This demonic powers come and steal the word. That's one case, the spiritual case, the vertical level, right? But then Jesus also talks about what? The worries of this life, the wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth, the other external factors. So sometimes it's per, sometimes it's vertical, spiritual. Other times it's external. And the external sociological factor was this guy got married, which I should be happy about. But I was is ambivalent. Do you see what I'm saying? So if if you don't have the correct diagnostic framework, you're not going to be under. You're not going to be able to what understand it. Sometimes the church also goes hyper spiritual. All they want to do is fast and pray for 24 hours a day. I know people who fast and prayed for 20 years and finally came out and had no skills, no way to pay their rent, no way to make a life. Did God tell them to do that? No. They just, what, over-spiritualized. Sometimes we under-spiritualize. Sometimes you were demonically attacked. So I want to go through those frameworks, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. Sometimes it's spiritual, but sometimes it's external. Other times, it's internal. Sometimes people like to spiritualize their internal struggles. Well, I got a divorce because God would, what? Yeah, I got a divorce because God knew I had to learn it this way. No. No, you got a divorce because of your own issues. Because of your own struggles in your life that you couldn't work out internally. So even if you pray all you want and cast demons out, nothing is going to change. Why? Because it's an internal struggle. It's character. Sometimes you're in the valley because of your own choices. It has nothing to do with the spiritual level or the external level. Right? So there's a spiritual case, an internal case. 
that Jesus is talking about in the Passover? And there's what? An external case. Then there's the best case. The good soil. And that's a little overview for today. And then I'm going to go into each one for the next few weeks. So let's move down. So that's the point. It's that most people are struggling with their spiritual life because they lack a critical framework. Sometimes they get 180. And people watching, please don't get weird on me. Don't be those weird people, spiritually weird people, talking about a demon behind every bush and an angel you see. Okay, angels only come when really special events happen, like when the coming of Jesus. Okay, don't say you see angels in this unless you really do. Don't be those weirdos. Okay, we don't want it. We want to be balanced. So that's the point. We need to develop a framework, and we, I want to teach you how to develop that framework. And so, what's the lesson, the overview of this parable? This is a wide overview. Read it with me. Farmers are what? Farmers aren't special. But special things happen what? When they learn to what? Plow. Look, what's, look what the text says. Very clearly. The seed, still other seed fell in the good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. When... When the text says that farmers, when the farmer scattered the seed, a lot of people take that as, oh, it fell in a good place. It was, it was probability. So it got lucky. So a lot of times, a lot of people look at the spiritual life this way. Some people are inherently special. They're, they're called by God and they shine. That's why I wore a white today. You say, do I shine? Because, you know, sometimes... People think, they use the word anointing as these people are special. Like Mother Teresa, she's so special. She was caught. That, she, she had good soil. She got divinely favored of the Lord. But this text, if, if through an ancient lens in the Roman times, in the first century of Jesus, when people hear that the soil landed on good soil, the seed landed on good soil, it's just talking about there were no what? Other barriers. But you still had to plow the seed into the ground. Make a small trench so that the seed will what, be punched under the ground so it could be fertile. You see, you don't flourish in your spiritual life <laughs> because you're lucky or because of just grace. I'm, you know... <laughs> People put up like Instagram, a Ferrari, I'm blessed. Yeah. Praise Jesus. I'm just blessed. And people want to believe in the age of Instagram that some people are just blessed. Some people are cursed. And some people are blessed. That's not, that's heretical thinking, theologically. Because the people who understood this text, when they saw good soil, it, it's work. Just like my wife showed me, you got to water for Mother's Day, we went to Nevada. Las Vegas, I thought, was the place to go. You know, obviously, because we always go there. No, it's the first time. But there was this special garden in the Bellagio where they had a, I want to show you this video, of a butterfly garden that they carefully cultivated. It's one of the 
you know, greatest attractions in Las Vegas. There are lines. People are looking at this butterfly garden. And it's a beautiful garden just in the smack of this brunch place, which I took my wife to for Mother's Day, which I should get a lot of points for. <laughs> Even though we did get into a fight. Because, and I could blame the devil for that. There was spiritual warfare, okay? And I told you in the day in the sun that sometimes the enemy, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy your joy in the best moments. But one of the things I noticed about this beautiful land, this beautiful garden that they cultivated was it's the upkeep. There were like 12 people watering the garden, cutting it, mowing it. I mean, there a lot of maintenance goes to it. One time, we saw a hummingbird come and just come for some nectar. And Josh, our youngest son, was like, is that a bug or a bird? Because that's what hummingbirds look like. They're very small and very fast and butterflies. You don't flourish spiritually because you're blessed. You flourish spiritually because you're deliberate. That's what Jesus is saying, because if you read the text carefully, the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, why do you speak to people in parables? The disciples were close to Jesus, right? That's what the whole point was. They were deliberate in their approach, in their discipleship. It's, it's always those people who ask the extra questions, who sit up front. Those people who are deliberate in their walk with God that will flourish. And that's why so many don't, because they have this inherent fallacy that the spiritual life is just determined one way or the other. This is just God's plan without a framework and without work. I was teaching Josh some math this summer. How many of you folks remember when your parents taught you math? I have traumatic memories. A lot, you know, my friends ask me, why are, why are you some Asians good at math? Because we go through a near-death experience. <laughs> there, there's, I know every friend I have who said, I almost died one day, learning multiplication. And I realized if I don't learn the nine times table, death would be the result. There's not one person I know, I mean, it might be sort of anecdotal, but probably empirical too. I, I mean, if I quantify the data, it's like, you, you know, through tears you learn it. It's hard work. And through hard work and tears in the near-death experience, when the teacher asks you simple multiple you know, questions, I remember coming to the States in first grade, and the teacher asked, what's a thousand plus a thousand? I'm like, they're learning this now? We learned this in kindergarten. <laughs> you gain confidence. And one of the things that I was teaching Josh was he's like, learn the multiplication table. He, was, he would guess numbers. I said, Josh, you know, one to nine times table, and all of them, they're always the same number. He's like, oh, yeah. I said, you know why you guess? Because you, you, you feel fear. Because you feel like you're going to get it wrong. But you know what? You can gain confidence. is cultivating a growing mindset. The answers are always the same. You don't even need to know why that's the answer. No, that's the answer. Why? Because it'll never change. 
He goes, oh, yeah, so that's how you gain confidence. I'm like, that's right. I'm not going to kill you like my mom almost killed me. I'm just going to teach you basic psychology to, grow your, to give you a growing mindset. Because, you know, we've, we're not barbarians. Even though if we have to get to that level, you know, we'll try that too. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so he learned that when you put in the work and you're deliberate, that you gain confidence. And then he started going, oh, this is easy. Well, it's easy because what? You don't feel fear. When you no longer feel fear because you what, you have confidence because you know the answer. It's the same way in the spiritual life. God can't choose for us to pursue him and the things he calls us to. We have to do them. There's, there's, no, there's nothing he can do. He already died on the cross. His seed, the Bible says, will never go to waste or not accomplish its purpose. Meaning, if God's seed is in you, it's imperishable. Meaning, the destiny he has for your life will come to fruition. But you have to cooperate. You have to be deliberate. You have to plow the ground through a tractor, I don't know, through a bicycle. What do you got to do? Whatever. You have to learn to plow. And you have to plant that seed deep within your heart. Because God wants us to flourish more than we know. You know, my oldest son, people are pretty interested in him these days. You know, he, um, he, he calls himself an indie trap superstar. And, yeah, you know, he's gaining an Instagram following and um, doing music. And in a few months, he'll be published with Cinematic Music Group with the song that he did with his friend at the studio. And I couldn't believe that he... Went to the studio with these, first of all, when I went into the studio, I went in with him. He didn't really want me to because he thought that probably wouldn't be cool. But I'm like, if you're a legit studio, you want your parents there if you're a minor, right? So I went in just like, it's not like a creep in the basement and somewhere in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? So I went inside and I was like, what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? What's going on? And it's like this whole, it's like a firehouse turned into a music studio. And I'm meeting the founder. They're giving me a tour. I'm like, this is for real. And he went in there and he killed it. And now they're using the song. They said the studio loved the song. And the artist that he's singing with was just co-signed by Justin Bieber. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy. And then when I heard the song recently, the song that would be featured, I'd never like to share this stuff, but Oh, mom, my, my wife was like, oh, so good, Josh. Like, wow. Me, I just started tearing up. <laughs> just like, what is going on? This machine gun, just like a machine gun tears coming on. Because something about the father's heart, even the earthly father, when they see their kids succeed in the highest level, they feel more joy than when they succeed. Folks, God wants you to flourish. That's what this text is about. He scatters the seed in, you, in your soul so that you flourish in your life. And God wants, through tears of joy, for you to become everything that he sees for you to be, your best self in him. And that's what worship really looks like. When you become the best version of yourself that God put in you, his very seed. And I pray that as we go back from the pandemic, as we regroup the first time 
who are having this service live. I pray that the Spirit of God would give you that vision of God's heart for you and for us to develop that heart for Him. Amen? Amen. Stand and pray together. Will you just lift your hands to the Lord today? Maybe even for the first time, examine our own spiritual life because no one can do it for us. What is my problem? Is it spiritual? Is it personal? Or is it external? Because if you're dealing with a toxic person, that's external. No matter how much amount of prayer would ever solve that drain in your life. You have to create boundaries. We'll go into that. No matter how much you pray, if you're not, you're looking for the direction of your job, you're not applying, that's external too. It's not not going to coincide and God's not going to send you an email from heaven and you have a job. Sometimes our own sin breaks us. And even though God didn't plan it, he'll use it to form us like him and turn it for our good. But sometimes our suffering is caused by our own selfish internal choices. Now, you and I can grow a lot, leaps and bounds, as in the good soil, if we could get clear of this framework. What is going on in our spiritual life? Then we could tackle the real problem rather than guessing. And that's why, like I told Josh, a lot of people are not confident in their walk with God because they're guessing. pray that you become confident in the truth and God's flourishing presence grows in your life so let's give this whole pandemic to the Lord and offer it up to him right now as our prayer as we close
gathering again. Father, we thank you for that time, that interruption to examine our life. Examine deeply where we might be. And get rid of those barriers and begin to plow the ground. Because there's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with the seed seed will accomplish what it tends to accomplish. The destiny that God has for us, the story he's written for us. But we got to put in the work. It's not just going to happen. And I pray, God, that we would take that responsibility and begin to grow. Become the best that God sees in us and reflect his glory. Will you bow your head for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. Great to see you. God bless you. Go in peace. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. 
Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.